Good morning. Yeah, good to see y'all. Amen. All right. Uh, I, um, first of all, hello to everybody in, uh, I call it the aquarium back there. God bless you guys. And then we also have, and bless their hearts, they're the, they're the folks that go in the overflow and it has a 30 second delay because we do it through live stream. And so hello to them as well. I'll come see you after the service. And then to all the folks tuning in on live stream, God bless you all. And for those of you guys got here early and got a seat, way to go early bird. Yeah. So, all right, um, I have one announcement and uh, Pastor Craig asked that we share this announcement. Uh, as many of you know, uh, Ken Graves, who's the pastor in Bangor, Maine, uh, if you haven't met him, you need to. Um, he is, I've said he's a cross between Leonidas and Shakespeare. He, he's my age, actually, yeah, no, I, I turned 56, I think he's 55 or 56. He looks like he's 30, and he's just ripped, and he grapples for fun. <clears throat> and, and he's, you know, he's just a, a manly man, a uh, great guy. And uh, his testimony and his life and the way God's used him is phenomenal. And I, I just, not only is he a dear friend and brother, but he's an amazing pastor. And he's going to be doing the men's retreat. Uh, so this is coming up. So guys, if you haven't signed up, do it. There was a few of them there. Uh, no, if you haven't signed up, please do. And, and the uh, Angelus Crest, which is the camp... Uh, they've done enormous improvements on this place. I liked it before, but what they've done now is even better. And th they've stocked the lake up there. So you just walk by, and if you have a hook just hanging, <laughs> the fish jumps out and bites the hook. Doesn't even need bait. It's, I don't know how they did it, but they've trained these fish. So sign up, fellas. It'll be awesome. And uh, let's see, anything else I have to remember I leave uh, this week for Virginia. I was in Phoenix, um, had a chance to spend some time with Charlie. Charlie then went on to North Carolina and Florida. And then I did a live stream. I don't know if you had a chance to see it last night with Officer uh, Brandon Tatum. Great guy. Great guy. Officer Tatum um, is going to be here uh, Tuesday night. And we are doing a live stream with uh, Bishop Broderick Huggins and Officer Brandon Tatum, and it is going to be a remarkable, I think this is going to go crazy across the country, and I, the Lord woke me up, um, actually, it didn't wake me up, I couldn't get to sleep, <laughs> and, because I had met Brandon, and it, it felt like I'd known him my whole life, and he's just a great guy, and you know how much I love Bishop Huggins, and, and you have these, these two fellas that both were lifelong Democrats, although Bishop Huggins is older and has remained a, a Democrat. Brandon was a Tucson police officer. Um, and, and the processing of life and looking at Black Lives Matter and the Marxist kind of, well, kind of, the Marxist movement of the organization itself, but then the concern over Black Lives Matter. And you have two guys, one with, um, what, what is the theology, uh, uh, anyways, liberation. liberation theology, thank you. It, it's early for me. <laughs> liberation theology, uh, Bishop Huggins kind of holds to that. And I love him, but, you know, we disagree theologically on a number of things. We're, we're, they're going to be up here, and we're going to show the world how two people with opposing views can not only 
uh, with civility, speak with one another, but with the racial divide in the country, to allow everyone to hear the story. I, 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 and I, I picked up the phone and I, I said, Brandon, would you be open to something like this? He goes, yeah, I would. I go, okay, let me make another call. I'm all, hey, uh, Bishop Huggins, would you be open? Of course I would. And Bishop Huggins' son was shot by police officers. Brandon is a police officer, right? SWAT. And then I I said, well, do I fly you guys out? What do I do? And Bishop Huggins said, you know, I'm going to be here Wednesday for revival in Fresno. Um, I'm going to be with uh, my, uh, yeah, on Wednesday. Monday, I'm going to be with my daughter. Tuesday, I'm supposed to be in Oxnard. I can do it Tuesday night. I'm like, oh, okay, hang on, let me call Brandon. <laughs> Brandon is, you know, busier than a one-arm wallpaper hanger. And I said, I, I said, Brandon, I know when we were talking, your schedule's booked. And he goes, yeah. And I said, um, any chance you could be here this Tuesday? <laughs> he goes, hey, I've got board meetings all week. He goes, funny enough, Tuesday's open. <laughs> so, yeah. Last things, because these folks are exhausted holding the Bibles. Last thing, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I see him back there struggling. Bless you guys. Um, the last thing is this: you're welcome to come Tuesday night. We'll do a live audience for the live stream, so you can come in. All right, yeah. all right. Pass out the Bibles. It, uh, if you don't have a Bible, they're passing them out, and uh, make sure the folks in the aquarium in the other room get some too. They got to get Bibles, and then uh, if it, and then open up to Acts chapter nine, if you would. And I don't have the clicker. Let me see. Why don't you guys relax a little bit? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's over there? Ah. Oh. Come here, you little thing. That's you precious. <laughs> precious. <laughs> All right, so uh, Acts chapter 9. We've been going through the book of Acts. And I, I have so enjoyed, I've, I've been through the book of Acts many, many times. I've never enjoyed it as much as I'm enjoying it now. And, and it's probably a reflection of the times that we're in. And it's just, it's speaking to my heart. I pray it's doing the same for you. I have so enjoyed this study. And we're going to take a look at two really cool people. Um, but before we do that, I want to introduce you. Do we have that video? Okay, before we show the video, I want to set it up. Um, you know what? Let's not show the video. We're going to show the pictures of them before. Can we do that? Do you have that? All right. Put them on up there. Oh, you want me to click it? Power. So this, this is Savannah. Um, and you can see she's had a rough life, yeah? Drug use and it's a mess, right? And this is, is that Kyle? That's Kyle. He's a mess too, yeah? He was into some bad stuff. This was their life. And we're going to stop there. This reflects young people in America today. They're rudderless and hopeless. 
It reflects the condition of our nation in many respects. I, I'm, a lot of people last week said, you know, when he went through all that stuff at the end, I got a little burdened. I said, yeah, I'm burdened too, but I have hope. I have a lot of hope. And I, I, I see lives like that, and I don't see those lives. It's kind of like when Michelle decided to say yes to me. First of all, I just was very persistent. <laughs> no, no. She, she said yes, and I wasn't a perfect human being by any way, shape, or form. I had a lot of issues in my life. But she saw me for who I was to become. She's always been my biggest fan. And I think that's how God sees us. Not who we are, but who we're to become. Our desire is that mankind, Imago Dei, mankind would achieve this pursuit of excellence. Not that we would be enslaved in such a way that it would hinder our lives and destroy them. You saw with Savannah and Kyle. You just, you just drive around and you see it. Your heart breaks. You want it to stop. God never intended mankind to be just so emaciated and abused that we would be killing one another. That we would actually vote to enslave ourselves. That we would, we would be so ignorant, having shirked our responsibilities in educating generations to come, they would somehow think that this is happiness, to be dependent. And yet, you look and you think, what a precipice. What a dangerous place to be. And yet in the midst of it, I read this, I see that, I'm witnessing things across the country, and my heart is full. There's hope. Great hope. And God's not finished. He's awakening the world to truth. I want you to homework assignment. Uh, this is for you, and you have to do it. And if you don't, you get an F. <laughs> I want you to dig it up. Thomas Jefferson said this was one of three of his life's greatest accomplishments. And it was the Virginia uh, Compromise on Religion. I'll get you the exact title. Where they had formulated how they were going to address religious freedom in the state of Virginia. Read it in its entirety. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll print it for you. And have it available. But read it. Because you'll start to understand how significant what you're doing right now is. And not only the life of the nation. But in the life of generations to come. You're men and women of faith. Maybe some of you aren't, but you're here. Many would say that Thomas Jefferson wasn't a man of faith. Oh, you, I don't know what 
crappy history book you're reading. Throw it away. I, seriously, I, the, the revisionist history nowadays is, is nauseating. He, yeah, we'll cover that later. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 9, before we stand, I, I, I want to, to share with you, this passage has deeply ministered to me, and, and I don't see oil up here, but we're at the end of the service, we're going to apply this text. If there's anyone sick or ailing, the pastors are going to be up here. I'm going to, I'm going to stay and pray. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I, yeah, I know we go to doctors, and I know we've done studies on hydroxychloroquine, and we've done studies on, you know, Z-Packs, and, and we've done studies and things, and we're worried about a virus and all this. Everyone is a practicing physician on this earth, but there is the great physician, and that's the Lord. And I read through this passage, and God severely put on my heart, um, and I'll show it to you in a moment, I'll walk you through it, that it's going to be a, a moment at the end for prayer. They'll, they'll be worshiping, you can just come up for prayer. And if you're uncomfortable with it, then don't. It's, you know, we're not giving out blue chip stamps or anything if you come forward. <laughs> prayer, prayer is an act of faith. You know, that's what we do. We're men and women of faith. And I, I appreciate people praying for me. And if, you, if you're so inclined, I'll explain to you what's going to take place when you come up. It's, it's nothing weird. It's kind of comforting, actually. So that's the setup, and I don't, I don't know how that setup works in the teaching of Acts 9, but I think it will. So we're going to begin with verse 32. Would you stand with me as I read the word out loud? You'll follow along silently. For the Lord, sit for the word of the teacher. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. We pick up where we left off last week. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda, there he found a certain man <clears throat> named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So Hall, who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon, saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. We laugh at that, but it's, it means gazelle, fleet of foot, beautiful. <clears throat> this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. <clears throat> Excuse me, just a sec. <clears throat> So anyways, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it happened in those days that she became sick and died, and when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. And when he had come, he brought them, or brought, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. And he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Actually, in the proper language, it's Tabitha Kumi. 
Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. That's it. That's not too much. We can do it. We'll cover it. Lord, thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Minister to all who are present, Lord, I pray. And Lord, as as Peter was just simply a scalpel in the hands of the great physician. Lord, there's no man in this room who has the power to do anything. Unless, Lord, you orchestrate it. And in that case, Lord, we're all just simply instruments. We want you to receive glory. And Lord, we recognize even Peter was wholly dependent upon you. And so, Lord, please, let us not lift up man, but we're here to glorify you, God. We thank you for your word, which is true. We love you. Teach us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Relax, take a seat. I love that it says Rob on it, and it's half full. I'm trusting that I wrote my name. I don't recall ever having done that. I'm kidding. <clears throat> this, is, this is an interesting passage in many respects, and, and I, it captivates me. First of all, Peter and the apostles were all camping in Jerusalem. And when the persecution hit and they martyred Stephen and James, Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire, but the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. You know, snug as a bug in a rug. And, and they're there. And this you see that all of a sudden Peter decides to branch out. You know, the, the hard work is, is for the others, not me. And I'm not saying that about Peter. These guys walked with the Lord for three years and they went through tough times. And, and now, now Peter is traveling and he's, he's, he's taking the gospel throughout all parts of the country. And he comes down to the saints. And this is the first time in the book of Acts the word saints is used. It doesn't mean that you know, we're, we're elevated and we get a picture and we're deified and, and we're, we're placed in the Catholic Church in paintings. Saint is a description for all who call on the name of the Lord. You're all saints who are, who are believers in Christ. But this is the first time it's used in the book of Acts. And they, they comment with this term saints because they're starting to become pockets of believers and faithful gathering. And they're in Lydda. And you're like, where's Lydda? Well, it's near Laud. Duh. If you've ever been to Israel, uh, Lida would be located right where Ben Gurion Airport is located. Um, right there. So this is where it took place, right there at the airport. It's, it's in the near modern day Lod, and it's the side of Ben Gurion Airport, just outside of Tel Aviv. And Tel Aviv is near Joppa. And I've, I've been to Joppa, I've been to Ben Gurion Airport. And I love Joppa because that's where bacon became legal. And I'll cover that in a moment. <clears throat> and they, they found this certain man named uh, Aeneas. And he'd been bedridden and paralyzed for eight years. Uh, so it doesn't say if he's a quadriplegic or a paraplegic, but he's bedridden. And he's been there for eight years in this bed. And Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Jesus the Christ heals you. I find it fascinating that that's what he said to him. Jesus the Christ heals you. 
because we, we love to give credit to man. And then you, you get a television show and you get to travel the country and hit people on the head. Be healed. And, and God uses them. But there's a little too much of them. I've never seen a, cal- a, a, a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon go, healed. Scalpel doesn't do anything. And I, and, and I, I think about Aeneas... Jesus the Christ heals you. Peter clearly identified who healed Jesus the Christ. Christ means Messiah. It's not his last name. It's his title. Peter was only an instrument of the Lord. The scalpel is only effective in a master's hand. Any minister is not magical. Never forget that. Our problem is we love to elevate man and, and our gimmicks and our efforts. And we're not dependent on the Lord. I, re- I remember Don McClure, a pastor, sharing at a pastor's conference. And, and, and it was a profound illustration. He talked about, and, and some of you heard the illustration because I've been at the church here quite a while. So get used to it. You know. But the illustration, they had just come out with electric windows and cars. And, and his three sons were in the back seat in the car that he'd bought. And they're like, Dad, where's the knob for the windows? And Pastor Don's driving. He looks back to the three boys. says, boys, this is an amazing car. What do you mean? He says, it works by your command. You just say to the window, window down. <laughs> and the boys are looking and the first one says, Window down. He says, no, son, say it with authority. (laughs) Window down. And he's controlling the front. And the other one's going, window up. And they're just going none. He's playing this thing, and the windows are doing this, and the boys are just feeling good about themselves. And everyone in the room's laughing. And then Pastor Don stops in this room full of pastors, and he says, you know what you are? Your kid's in the back seat saying, window up, window down. And you're impressed with yourselves. And the master's working the controls. Get over yourself. Amen. Clap for that one. Yeah. We, we must understand that God heals. There are conduits in life. People feel compelled to move forward in obedience to the Lord, and, and you're an instrument. I, I'm, I'm, I'm marveling because I walked into Turning Point USA, and a bunch of the kids said, we, we listened to the trial live. Oh, I've heard of you. And people said, we, we've been tracking this. I, well, did you not have anything else to do? <laughs> and I... And I Nothing's changed in my life, but apparently a lot of people now know us. And I think to myself, we've just happened to be vessels. Don't get too enamored with them. We're vessels. Vessels are good when they accomplish that which they were designed to do. Right? And, and we're, 
We're here to bring glory to God. That's why we're on this earth. So I love the fact that Peter, that many in Christendom believe to be the first pope, and when I, I talked about the, the comment at the headwaters of the Jordan where Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and upon this rock I will build my, and I've told you guys this, not church, it's ecclesia or ecclesia, translated public square. Assembly. Jesus co-opted a secular term. He didn't say church. My Catholic brothers and sisters, that's a tough one to stomach because church, this is the, that was the papal authority uh, for Peter. And, and I, that doesn't phase me. I'm not bothered by that. And I, as we sit down and we talk, I, they, they understand and we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And there's differences, but you know, we got to start rowing in the same direction one of these days. And we are. I'm, I'm working through that. I, I don't, I know who I am and I know what I believe. And that's why I want you to read that article that Thomas Jefferson wrote. But here's the interesting thing. Peter obviously is elevated as a human being. That Many in Christendom call him the very first pope. He's, he's, he's the guy. And many of us name our children after him. This is a pretty cool dude. Right? And he's the one who looks at Aeneas. We don't know anything about the guy other than he's been paralyzed for eight years. He says, Aeneas, Jesus, the Messiah, healed you. Let's just get that straight. And he's healed. Eight years, paralyzed. What would be the first thing you'd want to do if you'd been paralyzed for eight years, Peter tells him, make your bed. <laughs> I, I want to pause on that for a moment. Especially young folks, make your bed. It's important. Peterson wrote 12 Rules for Living, Jordan Peterson. Making your bed is critical because it means you're going to come back to it after a hard day's work. It means that you're, you're, you're preparing for a day that's going to be special. That life is significant and ordered and you're operating in such a capacity that you are mindful of others. There's, a, there's thousands of things that you can find in just simply making your bed. And paralyzed for eight years, I want to talk to young people. Your entire generation has been paralyzed. You've been helicopter parented. You've gotten participation awards. You don't know competition. You, you've, been, you've been fed, spoon-fed deception since you were little. Not by your folks, but certainly by the school systems that have told you America's awful. The founding fathers were racists. You, you've been spoon-fed all of it. And you, you bought it hook, line, and sinker. You've abandoned faith. And you're struggling in life. And having meaning and purpose. And you're depressed. That's why we have a heroin epidemic. And suicides. 
And you're paralyzed. You have no purpose and meaning in life. That, that's, that's why many of your contemporaries are up in Portland and Seattle. They've, they've come out of the basement for a season to go and rally. They can't build anything. They can only destroy it. They have a hatred for life. And here you are. And God has a plan for your life. You're paralyzed, but he wants to heal you. And today he says, arise. And the first thing you're going to do is make your bed. Start taking responsibility for your life. And care for others and quit making it about you. And watch what will happen. You'll have meaning. I look at my boys when they were 13. I said, you are now no longer a child. Boys, you're now men. Men provide and men protect. You're responsible now. I took them to the cemetery. Every great journey begins with the end in mind. What will you leave, son? This is a child. Anyone can procreate, but few can raise them. They're expensive. <laughs> Definition of a father is a man who carries pictures of his children in his wallet where his money used to be. But they're worth it. My father. Yeah, okay. Those are parents clapping that didn't kill their children and are enjoying <laughs> grandchildren. My father, in the throes of Alzheimer's, for 15 years towards the end of his life, he had a coping mechanism. They take you on a tour of the house. And when he's done taking you on a tour of the house, he'd take you on another tour of the house, another tour of the house. I didn't need a tour of the house. I grew up in the house. And on the upstairs, right side of the wall, were all the accolades, Navy captain, three tours of Vietnam, Silver Star, Legion of Merit, Time Magazine, President of the Chamber of Commerce, President of the Rotary, all the way down, Senior Executive Vice President. And on the left side were all the pictures of the family. Tour after tour after tour after tour. I'm trying to pretend like I'm engaged because I want to respect my father. But I'm getting tired of the tour. Until... I realized something. He never showed you the right side of the wall. He always pointed to the kids. With the exception of one thing. At the end, and you'll see it in my office, it's his surfboard with all of his awards and his commands, his sword, and his just row of medals that I remember as a boy. But the one medal that, the only thing on the right side of the wall he pointed to with his shaking finger, riddled with Alzheimer's, still knowing it was important. And it was a medal that was 70 years old. And it was tarnished and frayed. And with a shaking finger, he'd point to it. It was his Eagle Scout medal. Because he knew as a boy he had learned to be a man. We don't have a rite of passage for our men anymore. Make your bed. Admiral McRaven raising or training Navy SEALs had one of the most profound speeches, and I think he kind of ripped it off from Jordan Peterson, but the whole book was, make your bed. Small things that can change your life and maybe the world. I'd, I'd read the book if I were you. Arise and make your bed. You think, oh, Peter, that was just a misnomer. No, it wasn't. Mark chapter 2. 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, make up your bed. Jesus said that. This is a cool one. John chapter 20, verse 7. This is the tomb. After Jesus had resurrected, they ran in. And it says, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Jesus rose from the dead took the thing that was on his face and folded it. (laughs) Make your bed. Now, here's a cool part of it. This 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 is Jewish tradition. If the master was done eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers and mouth with a napkin, and toss it on the table. The servant would then know to clear the table, for in those days, a wadded up napkin meant, I'm done. But if the master got up from the table, folded his napkin, and laid it beside his plate, the servant knew that the folded napkin meant, I'm not finished yet. The folded napkin meant, I'm coming back. That's why the Lord folded it. It gives people an understanding that life has order, and especially you. Take responsibility for your life. And I know that you're thinking, well, what's it have to do with... Aeneas and healing, we covered that. But of all the things he could have told him, he said, make your bed. And here's what's fascinating. Then he arose immediately, so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. They saw Aeneas, they were moved by him, he did his personal responsibilities, and then he went out and everyone starts to come to Christ. They see a transformation in this man's life. I was thinking about the misery in Portland, the hell that city's going through. By the absence of leadership and a willingness to protect its citizenry. And these these wildings that didn't grow up making their beds, but are just living on someone else's hard work. The only thing they can do in life is not make anything. They don't go to work. They just go to destroy. And in the midst of that misery, of all of these Young people that are rudderless and watching the city burn. One one young man, they tried to throw the equivalent of napalm on the police last night in Portland. And a young man got burned by his own incendiary device. And they were trying to put it out. And the police helped put it out. (laughs) I was trying to burn you, but thank you for putting out the fire on my legs. And when something happens, they call for the police, but they want to get rid of them. They They don't know what they're doing. They're completely confused. But in the midst of all of that, how in the world are they going to get the answers? We remain up here, or down here, and we decry what they're doing up there. Although, Kirk Cameron wants to go to Portland and Seattle, and he wants me to go with him. And I said, yes. He said, but I'm only willing to do it because a friend of mine has already been there. Sean ran for Congress. He's a worship leader up in Northern California. But in the midst of the misery in Portland, he brought the presence of the Lord. And all who dwelt in light and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. It was a great move of God's spirit as he led them in worship. 
I think you're upset people aren't making their bed? Well, then, then you be Peter. Step into the, travel throughout the country. Go, go do some work. People call all the time. I, I, I got inundated. You know what we need to do? And I love how they use the word we. We need, and they start going down the list. And I'm like, are you going to come and join me to be a we? Because we are doing this. What are you doing? Well, I'm complaining of what you need more to be doing. Well, I don't need you to do that for me. You can do that on your own. But would you like to join us so that we... Does that make sense? There's, there's, there's players in this passage. Where do you fit? Everybody's got a role. And do you want to be set free? Do, do you, you, you want to be lifted from your paralysis? That can happen today. Do you want to be an instrument for good? That can happen today. And I, I love how the entire community was affected by it. And then we jump over to, and this is an ancient painting, and this has been depicted in, in, by artists throughout all of history since this event, but this is... This is the picture of, of Tabitha or, or Dorcas, gazelle. She was beloved, and it was, it was a precious picture in the early church of a saintly woman, and, and they painted it. It's, it's become mythical almost in the church. And at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, and this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And I stopped there, and I'm like, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. I saw this commentary, and I loved it, because it, that burdened me. And when I saw this, I was blessed. Luke noted that Tabitha was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Some people are full of good works and charitable deeds, but they are only full of them in their minds and hearts. They don't actually do them as Tabitha did. This is why Luke added, which she did. I get people tell me all the time, you know what we need to do? And they're not doing anything. You just sit, you just sit at home and dream. You're not in Portland. You're not in Seattle. You're not walking precincts. You're not helping kids. You're not engaging. You're dreaming. Oh, you type a letter and you send it to tell someone else what they need to do. That's not Tabitha. That's not Tabitha. That's Apatha. <laughs> Apathetica. But here's this woman. She did these deeds. She worked hard. Every one of those, those quilted blankets that we give to the children who are being dedicated, we're going to do one in the next service. Every one of those blankets is made by a woman that puts hours into it. This is serving. This, this is the picture of the body of Christ. This is why the entire community was moved by this woman. And, and she became sick and she died. <clears throat> and they washed her, which is what they call the Havra Kadesh. It's a sacred society. And they do it on the Tahura, which is a washing stone. And it's a Jewish tradition. They did it with Jesus when they washed him, when they washed his body. And they, they treat the corpse like a human being. And they talk to the corpse Tabitha, we're going we're gonna to wash, wash your, the back of your neck now. We're going to roll you over, dear. Tabitha, we're going to comb your hair just the way you, you like it. 
Tabitha, we're going to clean your hands and, and we're going to paint your fingernails. And they talk to her while they're cleaning her and preparing her body. That's, that's the Havra Kadesh. This is the sacred society and the Tahura is the washing stone. And they're preparing her for burial. And they're making her as lovely in burial and that, that's where you get morticians. It, it, it comes from a Jewish tradition. And this is scriptural. And so they're washing the body. And that, that's... that's That's what the two men did for Jesus' body. They asked for it. And they cared for it. They washed it. They did more for him in death than most of us would do for the Lord now that he's alive. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, the, 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 the two men's lives were radically Radically impacted by the simple fact that they publicly asked for the dead body of Jesus so that they could prepare him for burial. The Havra Kadesh, the Tahura, washing his body, taking out the shards from the, 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 the shredded back, wiping the spit from his face, pulling the pieces of wood from his skull where the, the crown of thorns was Slammed in as they washed every wound on his body, preparing him for burial, knowing that they would be marked. Be careful. Truth is not in vogue right now. You stand, you're marked. They know what that means. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Nicodemus was one of the wealthiest men in all of Israel. His his daughter's wedding was opulent, and later they said they were found digging through the stables to find grain to eat. Oh, I, I am committed to this cause, and I love liberty as God has declared, and, and I'm going to lose something? I'm out. You know what I love about our elders? Every one of them, every asset they have is on the line. And they said, yes. Faith costs you something. And there, you see that picture of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus in this Havra Kadesh. This, it's a sacred society because they become, you become unclean when you touch a dead body. It's a sacrifice on their part. And they're taking care of Tabitha. They're washing her. And they later in the upper room And since Lida was near Joppa, they had gotten word that Peter was there. And they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay and coming to them. Come, come. She's dead. Why? Just come. Please. Then Peter arose and he went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And this is, this is fascinating to me. It says... All the widows stood by, and they were right next to him. They stood by him, and they were weeping. And they're showing the tunics and the garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. She took care of every one of these ladies. They didn't have money to buy anything. Their husbands were dead. That was their source of income. And Dorcas made them look lovely. 
at great sacrifice to herself, she loved every person. And there's, there's, there's nothing a widow can do for you in this culture. It's a ministry that has no return on investment if you're looking to make money. But it touches lives. And it means something. And they're weeping. What, what difference does it make? Widows with tunics. Well, they're dear to the heart of the Lord. Widows and orphans. Peter's heart's moved. He's looking at them and they're weeping for this woman who is obviously dead. I have to tell you something. And I've, I've been ridiculed for this. And that's okay. I'm a big boy. I can take it. I don't know that I have the gift of faith. When Peter said to the paralyzed man, the beggar, asking for alms, money, he said, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him and he lifted him up. And jumping and leaping, he was praising God. I would look at someone like that and I'd say, silver and gold, I have none of that. Have a nice day. And the Lord's saying, no, no, no. Lift him. Okay. Lord, when the guys lowered him through the roof and you pointed, he said, their faith has healed you. Lord, I don't have any faith. And I don't know who's going to do this here. Grab his hand. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I, I, I'm envisioning in my head, I'd grab his arm, rise up and walk. And I would drag him across the room and all of you would laugh. That's in my head. You don't have enough faith. Good, you do it. Smarty pants. I'm, what I'm saying is this. Peter did that. And there's nothing special about him. He remembered something. Watch what happens. We're almost finished. Watch what happens. They're, they're crying and they're holding out these tunics. His heart is broken because it breaks the heart of the Lord. And look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Peter put them all out. All right, you guys got to get out. Uh, and, and you know why he had him leave? He has no idea what he's going to do. I, 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 don't, I don't really know what I'm going to do here. And the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, what does he? All he need to do is ask of God. How do you ask? It's called praying. He prayed. When in doubt, Pray. We tend to ask everybody but God. Peter gets everybody out. Instead of asking them, he asks the Lord and he prays. And you know what the Lord put into his head? This is how it happens with me. I think it happens with you too. I'm guessing. I'm praying. And God just 
hit you with something. Officer, Officer Tatum, Bishop Huggins. Officer Tatum, Bishop Huggins. Police officer, Republican. Democrat, son killed by an officer. Wait a minute. Is that... You're praying, and you're just lifting it up to the Lord, and all the concerns you have. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you, the scripture says. Be anxious in nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. If you're burdened, you start giving it to the Lord. And there's been times that you're praying, and God puts something on your heart. And I can guarantee you exactly what was on his heart. Just, Just say that. Tabitha Kumi. Tabitha Kumi. You're getting better. Tabitha Kumi. All right. And as he's hearing this in his head, he's like, shut up. (laughs) Takes him right back to Mark chapter 5. When he was walking with the Lord, the Lord was on the earth. Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, saw a tumult over those and wept wailed loudly and when he came in he said to them why make this commotion and weep this child is not dead but sleeping and they ridiculed him but when he had put them all outside he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying and he took the child by the hand and said to her what not Tabitha Talitha Sounds like Tabitha, doesn't it? Kind of cool how God works. Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, rise. It's kind of like, sweetheart, get up. Tabitha, sweet, get up. Talitha, Tabitha, Talitha, Tabitha, Talitha, Tabitha, Kumi, Kumi, Kumi. All right, you're, you're not tracking me. It says, it says he had them all go outside, verse 40. You remember that? He put it right there in, in Mark 5. He had everyone go outside, but Luke covers the same story. Luke. Yeah, Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Acts. Oh, what does Luke say? But when Jesus heard it, he answered saying, do not be afraid, only believe she will be made well. And when he came into, oh, I'm sorry, I have the wrong one. Oh, yeah. He came into the house. He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and mother of the girl. So Mark just says these folks that were there were allowed to stay, but the mom and dad got to stay. But Luke goes into detail. Now, Peter was there. Of the 12 apostles, only Peter, James, and John got to be there. Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Manny, Moe, and Jack. Peter, James, and John. And he witnessed Talitha Kumi. He witnessed everyone leaving. What's Jesus doing? He's, he's, he's relying on the Father. He's praying. He says, I am my own self can do nothing. I and my Father are one. Jesus was fully God, fully man, but he never did anything with his deity that we can't accomplish with our humanity. Yeah. And so Peter remembers this. And he kneels down, he gets everybody out, and he kneels down and he prays. And as he's praying, that one word comes to his mind. Tabitha, Talitha, Talitha, Tabitha, Tabitha, Talitha, Kumi, get up. And he turns to the body and he says, Talitha Kumi or Tabitha Kumi, she opened her eyes. And you can imagine Peter, he's like, what? It worked. 
man, this is so good. Unbelievable. You're awake. I mean, you, you were, you were, you, you were dead. You were like ashen gray. You should, it was trippy. I mean, life just came. And, and then your eyes opened up. Wait till they see this. I'm going on a circuit and I'm going to make a fortune. Peter Ministries. Oh, wait. What did I say to Aeneas? Jesus the Christ, that's right, it's not Peter. Matter of fact, I didn't have a clue what to do, and God said to tell you to get up. And then he walks out, he gave her his hand, he lifts her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner, a Jew who is ready to just start this unbelievable healing ministry across the nation. Gives a credit to the Lord. And if you want to really ruin your social media status and your notoriety, if you really want to just crush your ability to be famous as a Jew... He stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. This sentence would be a somewhat shocking to an observant Jew at the time. According to their understanding of the law, it was strictly forbidden to associate with anyone who routinely worked with dead animals. According to the laws of that time, a Tanner had to live at least 75 feet, 25 meters, outside a village because of his constant ritual unclean, uh, uncleanness. The trade of a Tanner was held in such supreme contempt that if a girl was betrothed to a Tanner without knowing that he followed that calling, the betrothal was void. And he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. The work of God in Peter's heart is a, it's, it's the groundwork for what God was going to do because his, his prejudice would lift. God's healing him, healing Tabitha, healing Aeneas. Everyone's getting touched, but the only one getting the glory is God. And I, I'll just leave you with this last picture. I love that. That, that, that door right there is in Joppa. I've been there. We're going to st study it next week. It's a dream that, that caused bacon to be legal. <laughs> but that's Simon's house. It's owned by an Armenian family in Joppa. And then I, I, I love what A.T. Pearson, he took over the Metropolitan Tabernacle uh, from Spurgeon. A.T. Pearson said this. He said... There is not an evil now cursing or threatening our church life which this comfort of the Holy Spirit would not remedy and perhaps remove. Peter's operating in the context of the Holy Spirit. God is moving. He's, he's praying and giving glory to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And, and I thought about last week, and my heart was heavy because there was, there's, a, there's a heaviness and a fear of what we're facing as a nation. And, and you, you saw the September 17th and November 3rd and 50 days and communism, and you saw Dr. Anita Phillips, and you, you saw Christine Kane, and, 
and you see this Marxist movement and what's happening in the country, and, and I'd stop. There, there's, God has enough power to handle this. He's waiting for us to be the scalpel in the hands of the surgeon. We're, we're, we're instruments of righteousness. We, we, we're to do what we've been created to do. And, and Dorcas, Tabitha, worked hard. Aeneas made his bed. Peter went through the land. He, he stayed with someone who was uncomfortable for a Jew to stay with. This is a powerful passage. And if you want to see the Spirit of God move and you want the nation to be healed, make your bed, go do something. But more importantly, ask God for wisdom. And one day, you'll witness a miracle of life. You saw those pictures earlier? Remember? Of Savannah and Kyle? I didn't orchestrate this. I've had the privilege to watch this couple. Not only did I have the privilege to baptize them, they were living together. They had a child. I got to officiate their wedding. And today, I get to dedicate their daughter. I just happened to be here. I happened to be doing what God's called me to do. You do the same. I didn't make my bed this morning because Michelle was still in it. But I did what God called me to do. I want you to see this video of him because you won't get a chance to see the dedication. But look what God does when we make our bed, stand where he calls us to stand, do what he calls us to do. All of a sudden you get to witness the power of the Holy Spirit heal. The, the, the two people you saw, watch what happens. Watch. Show the video. God is the only thing that's kept me um, strong and given me the courage and the strength and the fight. I had a lot of bad things happen. You know, I, I put myself in a lot of bad situations. Um, like I told you, I was very uh, running on self-will. You know, I didn't yeah. believe in any kind of creator or God at that time for at least a decade of my life. So, um, you know, a lot of hate ran through my veins, you know, and it, it, uh, it's incredible to see the other side of it. Uh, I am so hungry to learn everything there is to know about God because I know everything there is to know about the darkness. Here we go. As a minister of the gospel, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was back when we there didn't know go. COVID, so I had to wear the As a minister of the, the gospel gimmick. of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready? Here we go. Dead to yourself. And alive to Christ. Savannah, please repeat after me. I, Savannah, take you, Kyle, to be my lawful wedded husband. I promise to love you. You got this. I promise to love you. Honor you. Honor you. And cherish you. And cherish you. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. For richer or poorer. For richer or poorer. For better or worse. For better or worse. And forsaking all others. I promise to keep myself only for you. So long as we both shall live. You did great. You ready? Please repeat after me. I, Kyle, take you, Savannah, to be my lawful wedded wife. I, Kyle, take you, Savannah, to be my lawful wedded wife. I promise to love you. 
promise to love you. Honor you. Honor you. And cherish you. Cherish you. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. For richer or poor. For richer or poor. For better or worse. For better or worse. And forsaking all others. Forsaking all others. I promise to keep myself only for you. I promise to keep myself only for you. So long as we both shall live. So long as we both shall live. He did great. By the power vested in me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the state of California, who cares? It is my privilege to now pronounce you husband and wife, and you, sir, may now kiss your bride. That wedding was put together by all of you. They said, we want to get married. We can't do it. I said, tonight. I'm like, really? The wedding dress was bought. His suit was bought. The rings were bought. The flowers were done. People laid it out. We all had it as an illustration on the live stream in the middle of when they wouldn't allow anyone to do anything back when we didn't know that this virus isn't really what they said it was. And so that's, that's God. That's called healing. It's, it's called a miracle. I, I brought the pastors up. And... And they're going to lead in worship, whatever it is. You know, if you're paralyzed, if you want to talk about figuratively or physically, if you're, it, come up, let's pray for you. Anything you need prayer for. I want the elders up here too to pray. And if you just need prayer for anything, relational, physical, your health, I don't care. God knows. You come up, we pray for you. And there's nothing magical. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, God. And we're a conduit. We're, we're an instrument in the hands of the great physician. There's no, nobody up here is magical. As a matter of fact, I think God picked all of them because they're completely unmagical. Yeah. And we'll, we'll pray for you. Take advantage of it. And if you need prayer out in the aquarium or in the other room, we'll be there too. So let's stand. We're going to worship. If you feel compelled, give folks room to get in and out of the, the aisle and they'll come up and just line up. The guys will be up here and the ladies will be up here to pray with you. And uh, just come as you feel led and we're going to worship. Father, we thank you for this time and we do ask your blessing. I pray, Lord, that as we recognize that you're the great physician, you're the one who heals, you just allow us to come. And in, in faith we come. And Lord, trust you. So Lord, we ask that you would bless and touch and minister. Your word says if there's any sick in the body of Christ, call for the elders, anoint their head with oil, praying a prayer of faith. They might be healed. So we ask that you do that today, Lord. We know you can do it. We know you can do it. There's no doubt. We just ask that you would as your children. In Jesus' name.